Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm, Swing West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. And Marsha, we have our next guest joining us on the line. And, uh, well, he's been in the uh, statewide news a lot recently, <laughs> hasn't he? A whole bunch. We're glad we, he could make some time for us. West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, welcome in. Hey, it's good to be with you. Uh, a lot of things going on. You're absolutely right. And uh, we're excited about it. It's been a good one for our office, and we're going to keep it going. Uh, no lack of uh, big things to work on. All right. Well, let's hit that. Uh, you're you're saying this is really good news. Uh, the the EPA Supreme Court ruling. Uh, take take that. Uh, you know, take our listeners through your perspective on that. Absolutely. So, as many people listening know, we've been working to uh, challenge the EPA for a long time because they we thought that they were really stretching in terms of their interpretations, how much they were able to regulate in terms of carbon emissions. But what this case really is about is uh, it's separation of powers. It's who gets to make the major decisions of the day. And we've been very worried about federal agencies uh, and bureaucrats who are kind of reaching down, trying to seize power to regulate on the topics of the day they want to. And so as we started to look at what the EPA was doing, we knew they didn't have the authority to regulate on these major questions of the day. That We acknowledged they had a narrow sliver of authority to regulate with respect to carbon emissions, but it wasn't at all what they were claiming it was. So we put this major questions doctrine uh, front and center before the high court and said that in our constitutional republic, when you have a major question of the day involving an issue of vast economic and political significance, you look and see whether Congress has made a clear statement of authority to that agency. That didn't happen here. That's why the court sided with us. And the reason we know that's right is everyone listening, this is a value-neutral position because it could work for Republicans, Democrats, issues you like, issues you don't like. And it basically means everyone gets to participate in the process. West Virginia, California, New York, it goes through Congress, and that's what our founders intended. One of the other big items making the news is that the Supreme Court uh, ruling essentially overturning Roe v. Wade has um, changed things, uh, the climate in many states, conservative states like West Virginia. It's really no surprise that we didn't have that many um, you know, service providers of abortion, but uh, this basically shut down the last remaining uh, provider of abortion. And so what is your recommendation to the state legislatures now that that decision is largely in the hands of state lawmakers? Well, a couple things. First of all, uh, we've been over the application of the uh, law from the 1800s, and so my office is charged with Uh, defending that statute, and we're doing that. In fact, we have papers that are due uh, next Monday, and then there'll likely be an oral argument on the 18th of July. And so uh, I have uh, put together a memorandum, which I think is very helpful, about a lot of the issues that are out there, and I would urge people to take a look at it. I believe it's on our website at 
AGO.gov. We're trying to inform the public about a really important issue. But right now, it's squarely in the courts. So I'm going to limit some of my comments, but I've always said that I want to ensure that there are durable laws uh, that can last a long time that the public will know about and that will be upheld. And I think that's what I'm working toward, uh, things that are going to be uh, protecting as much life as humanly and legally possible. And uh, we're going to go through the legal process, through the litigation, and I'm not sure the date that the legislature will come back, but we're happy to work with them and try to make sure that uh, we're making the kind of uh, changes that are going to help strengthen and uh, allow us to even better defend the law. Is it your feeling that the state legislature will make some allowances for the health of the of the mother? I I think that the life of the mother, um, I, I believe, not only is that in current law, but I, I believe that that is clearly going to be included. I can't speculate as to all other uh, provisions, uh, but I because even in the decision, I think they made it clear that the, the state has an interest in regulating uh, abortion, but it was pretty uh, clear that when it comes to the life of the mother, that's something that would be uh, likely challenged uh, pretty aggressively, and I don't know that there'd be uh, enough votes at the court to uphold that. So I, I feel pretty confident that there will be an exception for the life of the mother. I can't predict what will happen uh, beyond that. I can tell you that the current law um, has life of the mother exception. And, you know, we it's a, it's a new world, uh, that, that law that's on the books in West Virginia <clears throat> from the 1800s probably didn't anticipate pharmaceuticals being used to end a pregnancy. So uh, what, what is your guidance to the legislature in regard to um, those kinds of over-the-counter and, and prescription uh, drugs that can end a pregnancy? Well, the legislature passed some provisions several years ago pertaining to telemedicine, which I think will be very helpful. And so we believe that there's already a law in the books of making the state uh, to a challenge, depending on how everything uh, plays out. But you know, I'm always looking for ways to further strengthen these pieces so that uh, we can anticipate the attacks and uh, prevail on them. Because after the Dobbs decision, the U.S. Attorney General, Merrick Garland, came out and he really kind of reversed the impact of the support decision. He was talking about the view of how uh, FDA-approved products could actually uh, really dramatically limit the impact of this uh, Dobbs decision. I don't agree with them, uh, but we have to watch and we have to be very sensitive to that, knowing that there's always an interaction between federal and state government, and we have to ensure that, once again, Everything is done right to maximize the chances for laws that are going to be kept on the books and will protect as much life as possible. Our guest this morning, West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Of course, in the news cycle this morning, uh, a Kanawha County Circuit uh, Court judge has basically put a stay on the Hope Scholarship. Uh, We talked about this a little earlier in our segment about, you know, probably around 3,000 families uh, taking part in that, getting about $4,300 to help them pay for private school education or tuition helps or homeschool aids. 
And uh, so for right now, that seems to be in limbo. What is your office advising uh, the boards of education and the lawmakers in regard to that? Well, the most important thing is our office is charged with defending the state law. So we uh, first and foremost plan to appeal this decision. We thought that that decision was uh, wrong-headed, uh, inc- legally inaccurate, and so we plan to appeal. And you will be in the next uh, few days hearing a little bit about the timeline on the appeal. I think we were just waiting for the final written order from the uh, from the judge. And once we have that, we will be filing an appeal. And that's the most important thing for a lot of uh, families that are waiting and there's an expectation. And so we would like to try to reverse this decision. And that's why we plan to uh, file a very timely appeal. And I think if we do so reasonably soon, there is at least an opportunity uh, to try to reverse this and uh, ensure that the 3,000 families uh, don't lose the benefits of the HOPE scholarship. That's my hope. to ensure that West Virginia has many educational options as possible. We have to drive our numbers up, and we have to make sure that families and kids get the best possible education. I think that the legislature uh, spent a lot of time on this issue, and it's designed to really help dramatically improve education in our state. And that's certainly very positive, and we don't believe that the grounds that they uh, struck this on are correct, and uh, we're going to push, we're going to appeal, and I'm uh, cautiously optimistic that we can get this reversed. Yeah, we're speaking with West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Now, uh, you're always having your, you know, this, out of the side of your eye, always keeping an eye out for uh, new scams and different things that are coming against the uh, great people of West Virginia, and apparently there's a new one that's kind of starting to circulate. There is. Uh, there was one that came out. It was really a bizarre one, a publisher's clearinghouse scam. And many people have received publisher's clearinghouse scams over the years. But this one was a little different uh, because people were getting notified that uh, the governor and the attorney general were involved in this issue. And, in fact, they wrote that the attorney general went up to New York to negotiate the prize specifically for these people. Of course, false. Uh, but... It was believable enough that we received some calls and we were able to clarify that it was a scam. I think that these people were promised $212,000. They just only have to give 50-some-odd thousand dollars. (laughs) Right? So uh, we were able to point out that that was a scam and the person was not ripped off. But we want to alert the public in situations like that to make sure they know. A lot of times people use the names of well-known people in order to leverage the mm-hmm. scam. And so you just want to be on the lookout for that so you don't get ripped off. So Attorney General Patrick Morrissey is with us. Do you have time for one more question? Sure. Okay. Away. So, um, of course, we're in the Eastern Panhandle. We border Maryland and Virginia. Um, uh, recently, you penned a letter asking the Maryland governor, Larry Hogan, for gun reciprocity in light of the Supreme Court's recent ruling. So can you talk about that? Absolutely. So for many years, one of the uh, comments that I've really heard the most about when I come back home uh, to Jefferson County, a lot of people from our area would drive through Maryland. Obviously, uh, you may have to drive through Maryland to get back to West Virginia. Let's say if you're going to Morgantown or they may live in West Virginia and work in Maryland uh, or they just want to visit. And they'd say, 
why can't uh, we get a concealed carry permit between West Virginia and Maryland? And I would explain that uh, the Maryland legislature and the Maryland governor have not had the same interest that West Virginia has in the Second Amendment. Uh, They're not as supportive of the Second Amendment as a lot of folks in West Virginia. So as a result of that, uh, Maryland was considered really one of the outlier states in the nation, and uh, it usually had the ability to put significant burdens on citizens who wanted to uh, carry and or to obtain a permit. Well, just a few weeks ago, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled uh, that the Second Amendment right is an individual right, and that a lot of these states that had may carry rules really have to be shall carry. And that basically is another way of saying that uh, you can't put these burdensome conditions on people obtaining a license or carrying in your state. And so that meant for us, I thought, huh, this might be an opportunity to write back to the governor, who we've been penning letters uh, to over the years, and say, now that the Supreme Court has ruled, you should consider lightening up some of your uh, burdens, and that'll also help people in West Virginia. And while we haven't received an official correspondence back from the governor, we did note that he did make an announcement that he's changing some of the standards in a way that's going to help West Virginia. Now, we're going to still see whether we can pursue a concealed carry permit uh, agreement, a reciprocity agreement with them, uh, but that may take a bit longer. But there is progress being made uh, to help West Virginians who want to go through Maryland uh, and I'm going to keep working on it because I'm charged with uh, enhancing getting as many concealed carry agreements as possible for the state. And we've succeeded across the country, but uh, you can't succeed where there's not a willing party. We're hopeful this U.S. Supreme Court decision changes that. Yeah, we're speaking with West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Unfortunately, we have to get uh, to our next break here this hour, but I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and keep up the hard work. All right. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care. And West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey joining us on the phone here on Panhandle Live. If you missed any of that, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today. But we have to, we do have to get to a break, and we'll be back with more on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years. Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed it for the break, we had West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey on to talk about, well, the myriad of things that he's uh, going after for the great people of West Virginia. So if you missed any of that, listen back to it a little bit later on today. It's always an interesting conversation with uh, the AG, that's for sure, especially when he's uh, got some things to be fired up about. All fired up, yeah. Yeah, that's always a fun conversation. So listen back to that uh, a little bit later on. But joining us in studio, newest addition to the sports team, it is Luke Wiggs. Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, Not much. It's a a tough follow, the Attorney General, but I'll do my best. Yeah, that's definitely a tough follow, uh, and I don't think many people can talk for as long and as uh, pertinently as he can. I don't know. Get you guys he really going, goes for it. Wind you guys up with a sports topic, <laughs> and I think you guys could go just as long. Hey, here's one. Let's Veteran hear. Jefferson head baseball coach John Lowry is one of 
six inductees in this year's class for the American Baseball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. He'll be enshrined at a ceremony in Nashville in January of next year as part of the ABCA National Convention. Go. Very cool. Yeah. Congratulations I, to him. I mean, Jefferson's had such a story program in West Virginia when it comes to baseball. 50 years he's I know, been and he's been, and he's been the reason that they've had such a storied uh, program. So I'm glad he's getting his shine. Yeah, 1,300 career victories for him as a coach. Consistency, really, the name of the game for Mr. Lowry, Coach Lowry. I've only gotten to speak with him a couple of times, but he's just a wealth of knowledge. You can tell he loves his job, loves his kids, and uh, has affected the community in a great way. So well-deserved to get into the ABCA. I think he's been a serving member of the West Virginia chapter of that uh, committee association, if you will, Mm -hmm. for a long time. So getting the recognition he deserves, the winningest coach in uh, uh, baseball history in the state of West Virginia, and uh, more accolades that you can uh, add to the the trophy case, I guess, at home. Absolutely. And uh, over 50 years, I hope he's the most winningest coach. And uh, I guess he wouldn't be getting into the Hall of Fame if it wasn't (laughs) for that that case. But you have been out beating the streets a little bit here as we're getting into football season, because as we know, uh, not just the Panhandle, but the state of West Virginia runs on high school football. And you've been uh, catching up with some of the coaches around the uh, Panhandle. How are things things looking? What's the vibe out on these uh, practice fields? Well, it's really interesting. I've spoken to four football coaches so far and I'd like to say first of all that they've all been incredibly inviting and welcoming and they're excited about what we're doing here at WEPM and uh, they've been willing to talk to me as long as I need to and get the information that I need to and honestly I didn't really know what to expect when you're looking at these football teams you know two made the postseason last year you weren't sure about the other four but the first coach I talked to Josh Sims of Spring Mills went four and six last season but they've got some playmakers coming back they've got a very talented mm-hmm. team uh, then I go down to Washington didn't make the postseason last year but they've got a lot of playmakers back they look mm-hmm. like a really good team they've got one of the best offensive lines in the eastern panhandle uh, I talked to Musselman yesterday and coach Brian Thomas who's wonderful as well didn't make the playoffs last year but they've got playmakers coming back they've got a really good quarterback in Baden Hardman and uh, depth in the backfield and playmakers of wide receiver Ray Adamas. Uh, so are you telling are you telling me that it's not uh, that this season's shaping up to not necessarily be um, the usual panhandle football kind of it's Musselman and Martinsburg type of thing you're saying that it looks like it's starting to kind of even out a little bit absolutely and I talked to Jefferson as well same thing those are four teams so far and I just haven't talked to Martinsburg obviously we mm-hmm. know about their dominance right. and I'll get to Hedgesville eventually too but four legitimate playoff contenders now obviously not everybody can make it because they have to play each other but very talented rosters very capable head coaches uh, and a lot of optimism from all of the coaches that I spoke to that they all could compete for a playoff spot so that's what makes things interesting you know you don't want to come out here and be surrounded by three and seven football teams mm-hmm. that's not going to be a problem because these are some very talented squads well uh, I should bring this up because I just got this text from my dad and he wouldn't have sent it if he didn't want me to bring it up uh, so my dad's from North Central West Virginia from Bridgeport and he played mm. baseball and all the sports you know out that way uh, and he wanted me well he didn't want me to say but I'll say it anyways he said they beat Jefferson his senior year when they only lost two games Games the whole year, so that was back in the late '70s, early '80s. Wait, this is so that baseball? just shows you, yeah, that just shows you how long coach has been, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> pumping good teams through Jefferson. I mean, that was back in the late '70s, and, and then more recently, Bridgeport and football beat uh, Jefferson in the yeah. playoffs last year. Bridgeport runs that, you know. Triple option, yeah. nonsense, wing T, whatever. Put up seventy something points in the game, mm-hmm. and I, uh, 
late in the postseason against Jefferson, so had the bragging rights there as well. Now, if you head over to our website, panhandlenewsnetwork.com, and you click on the uh, sports tab, WPM Sports, uh, on that you'll see that myself, Luke, and Parker have been uh, adding some sports stories on there, whether it's uh, you know local teams or it could be national teams, anything. We're kind of you know just getting the word out about some sports. But you'll see a lot of uh, articles up there from Luke, especially uh, talking about the local high school teams. But uh, one thing that I think is a big deal, or not – I think it's a growing deal out this way because uh, it's still fairly fresh to people, but uh, the basketball tournament. So it's this big tournament. You can explain it more. It's up for, I think, a million dollars to a team that wins. And uh, Best Virginia, which is a bunch of West Virginia uh, Mountaineers, former West Virginia Mountaineer uh, basketball players, and uh, heard that. Heard, heard that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say Thundering Hurt. Oh, yeah. You're a big Marshall person now. You know all about <laughs> I, it. Oh, I yeah. just touched the campus, and now I'm an <laughs> now you know all Big of time it. booster. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a big deal, especially uh, for those two you know, alumni and you know things like that. Uh, and we will be broadcasting some of the TBT uh, games here, especially Best Virginia, and heard that. Uh, but kind of give people you know, out here in the panhandle a little synopsis on what TBT is. Well, it's a 64-team tournament. The winning team, of course, gets that million-dollar prize, and they're broken into eight-team regionals, and one of those regionals is in Charleston, West Virginia, uh, this year, as it was last year. Best Virginia will be there. Like you mentioned, the West Virginia alumni, they're the one seed. They got to the regional final last year and lost to Team 23 and then heard that as well. What's interesting is for the first time, it's very likely that those two teams are going to play each other. TBT's been waiting for a while to match them up against each say other. It didn't happen. I thought yeah. There was a chance last year, right? They both had to win two games. Now they both only have to win one to play each other in the second round. John Elmore was on Sportsline last night. He said over and over that heard that the Marshall team is the best they've ever been. Best Virginia has a very good roster, which, by the way, we have an article on our website breaking down that roster that you can uh, find right now. They went out and got some mercenaries. Caleb Wesson's coming back. D'Angelo Hunter, of course, uh, the regular faces in that that lineup as well. Jay Sean Page is back. Jawan State and Kevin Jones, whoever. Um, they also think it's the best iteration of Best Virginia there's ever been. So, you know any of those names, Marsha? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you always get mad that I have to yeah. bring you into these conversations. So I had to do it at least once. Sorry. Had to you do it a Kevin Jones jersey around smiling. somewhere. Yeah, you got to know KJ. Everybody knows KJ. Nope. John Flowers. Everybody, the, especially the final John Flowers. J Flow. I feel, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Go I'll have to read the article. Yeah, it's a great article. Again, and where you can, can find, you find it that again? Over at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. It, it, it's uh, it's a deep lineup. It's it's they can space the floor really well. Tanner McGrew, another name I left out, played at West Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, as did Jamel Morris, played at Fairmont State. So they didn't play at WVU, but they have ties Connections. to this best Virginia core. You know, you can't make predictions until it happens. Anything can happen in a, a single elimination tournament. But all signs point to a really tantalizing herd that best Virginia matchup in the second round. Then they would go to the regional final, the winner of that game. And then if you win, uh, you go. I think it's Dayton this year. Mm-hmm. Is that where you would go to? conclude uh, the tournament and have a chance at a million dollars. Yeah, say a million dollars. Can you imagine, Marsha, the chant? Could you just picture in your brain, right? One second left on the clock. You're at the free throw line. Million dollars mm-hmm. on, on the, the line. line. Yep. I, I probably, I, I can't even choke. finish the sentence. I would completely Let choke. alone say, could you hit the shot? No, of course not. Are you, what you think, could you hit the shot, Lou? I, I was not a shooter. I was, I was a pass-first player. Uh, I was the Jarrett Jack of Christian school right. basketball. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, Luke, I appreciate you joining us. We had to get uh, to our last break of the day. But if you enjoyed you know, this sports talk, well, you can listen to it every weekday morning starting on Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. Uh, right before we get into Panhandle or a.m. Sorry, right before we get into Panhandle Live. That would be, yeah, that'd be a late a Panhandle Live. That would be a long one. Uh, but it'll be Panhandle Sports 
live with myself, uh, Luke, and Parker joining us uh, on the program. We'll be talking about uh, you know local sports, uh, anything in the Panhandle and related. Of course, national sports, world sports, everything going on, uh, but with a main focus on the Panhandle. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have all kinds of guests on, uh, Shepard, uh, Martinsburg, I mean, all the high schools, it's going to be a good time. So make sure you tune in uh, starting on Monday at 8 a.m. here on the Panhandle News Network. Luke, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we'll be back with more Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Floyer. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Cavalli. If you missed it, for the break, we had our newest sports reporter, Luke Wiggs, in to talk about uh, Panhandle footballs. That's starting to get... Uh, wound up a little bit here as we're getting towards August 1st. And then, of course, uh, the basketball tournament, which you'll be able to hear the Heard That and Best Virginia games right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. So if you missed any of that, listen back to it a little bit later on today. So we just had this really long trip to, to Huntington and oh, back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was highlighted with you know us looking at the prices of all the gas pumps and making... What was it looking like down there? Um, There were some... You know, 470, 480s along the way. And we were really trying to be judicious. And right. so there, there were whole, you know, cities we passed by. But there's a drought area, I think, a little south of Clarksburg. You want to make sure you gas up <laughs> before you, you know, before you hit the hinterlands. So, right. You don't want to you don't want to pass a sign like on the turnpike, PA right. turnpike. It says uh, last gas station for 112 oh, miles. And no. it's like, oh. No. Immediate nerves. So Immediate we probably nerves. spent at least one of those more than we wanted to. But in the panhandle. Here in the panhandle, well, gas isn't quite as expensive as it is uh, down there. Down in uh, Winchester area, if you're down that way, Costco still 429 The Sitco on Black Mountain Road's at 430 and everything else is 432 and up. Which uh, really doesn't seem, it's crazy that this doesn't seem too bad. Everything's nowadays. relative, right? Yeah. Oh, look at the bargain, 430 <laughs> yeah, four, <laughs> I'm not paying five, $5 a gallon. Uh, here in Martinsburg, the BP on Kelly Island Road is at 435 as of 16 hours ago. Uh, as of 15 minutes ago, the rudders on Hedgesville Road's at 436. The sheets on Edwin Miller's at 435. The sheets on Apple Harvest Roads at 435. Of course, the sheets closest to us on West King Streets at 437. Appreciate that uh, with it being right across the street. But it looks like 435 is your cheapest, and that's out of Kelly Island Road. And uh, finally, where gas has been the uh, cheapest by a significant wow. margin the last, uh, well, really, month or so, I guess, down Shepherdstown Way, the sheets on Martinsburg Pike and in the rocks right next to it, 414, $4.14. So both of them, the sheets and the rocks. Yeah, they're right next well, to they, each other. Well, they are right next to each other. That'd be tough. That'd be tough if you put, uh, yeah, if, could you imagine if like the rocks was 415? Mm-hmm. Because, hey, I'm going to the sheets if it's a cent cheaper, what, without a doubt. What is the psychology behind that? Because what if you have to wait and sit and your your car's idling, but you're just there because you want that extra penny? Have you ever mm-hmm. ran out of gas on the road? 
only once and it wasn't my fault. We were my dad and I were <laughs> test driving a car and they they didn't put gas in the in the tank. We didn't know. Yeah, we look were going at the up gauge. the hill. You didn't I, look at the gas gauge? No, cuz you you assume they're going to do, you know, you had one job, right? <laughs> so we're <laughs> yeah. we're going up and I hear I hear it go boom, boom, boom. I'd never experienced that before. My dad said, "Yeah, it's out of gas." So he walked mm. back to the gas to the um dealership and they they fixed it. Yeah, I've uh, not bought the wood. car. They knock on wood. I've never ran out of gas. I've had friends that have run out of gas, and it sounds like an awful experience because, like, my friends that I've uh, heard stories about, they've literally just had to, like, look through. Of course, nobody has a gas can in the back, right? Of course not. So they got to look around for, like, empty water bottles and stuff, and then they're, like, huffing it down and just filling up these, like, That's awesome. normal then, water bottles with gasoline. Can you ever use that again after no, you put it in? Uh, no way. Of and, course not. But, of not. course, we should say never use a Dollar General bag or a grocery yes, bag or, yes. Man, or a trash feels, bag. That feels those like it memes, was years ago, doesn't those it? Those memes that were going around. Yeah, those are not <laughs> good places to put your gas to carry it back to your car. <sighs> yeah, don't put it in a don't put it in a Walmart bag. Right. Please don't. And then think if you tie the top that it's going to all bag stay it. in there. <laughs> yeah, double, yeah, if you double bag it, that'll help, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, gas ain't getting any cheaper anytime soon, it doesn't seem like. But in Shepherdstown, that seems to be the, well, yeah, the place Yeah, to go. Staying, uh, it's staying nice and cheap. But yeah, if you got the gas to make it to Shepherdstown to fill up, go do it there. But uh, we are almost out of time here, Marsha. If you missed any of the show today, we had the West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morsey on to talk about all the things he's fired up about, which... There's a lot of things that he's definitely fired up about. We also had Luke Wiggs on talk about uh, Panhandle football and TBT tournament. And that um, conversation about the Hope Scholarship will continue on TalkLine uh, in just a couple minutes with Hoppy Kerchival. And did you watch the uh, stage of the Tour de France yesterday, Marsha? Um, I was I was in the car, so I'm, I'm going to use that as my excuse. Well, I'm you sure you did. One. Oh, yes. Of course I did. I uh, had it on here on my phone pretty much the whole day. Don't tell don't tell our boss if he's listening. I know. Whoops. I wish I had a rewind button. But anyways, <laughs> uh, it was crazy. Banana land, if you will. Cobbles, people crashing, people losing skin. Wow. If I was trying to bike <laughs> on cobblestone, <laughs> if I was I these would are lose crazy. Some skin. These yeah. are like so, and they're going fast too. Yeah, like the it's not just a tires. brick road. It's not a brick road. Like these are stones. These are cobbled roads. Right? I wonder if they do the thing that we all do when we hit cobblestone. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I wonder oh, if yeah. they actually vocalize that or if they just don't have any oh, energy. I see what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I would be doing that. I totally do. I do that. that on normal roads when I'm getting right, right before I fell over. <laughs> Anyways, well, I'm glad you made it back safe from down Huntington Thanks. Way. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle Live Facebook and Spotify page. But for Marsh Kabalik, I'm Jordan Icewater. It's been Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, Mississippi, she's calling my name. Catfish, you're jumping that paddle wheel bumping. Black water, keep rolling on fast, just the same. Oh, black water. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud.